The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our PC. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, all y'all out there. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. This is produced by pod617.com. It's our little podcast empire here in Westwood, Mass. If you're interested in your own podcast, if you want to be the next big podcast star and tell all your friends about it, Go to pod617.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with us there. You could be here in our Westwood studios behind the mic. And behind the mic today, I have a guy who is no stranger to microphones for many reasons. With that cryptic teaser in the air, I will introduce attorney Michael Walsh. Michael. Hey, Dave. Mike? Michael? Usually Mike. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's what I say when people say, I never know what to say. Are you a Dave or a David? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. Um, I get called a lot worse at home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, Mike is an attorney. He does a bunch of things. Primarily, I do workers, workers comp, social security, yeah. and candidate for register probate. So that's that election's coming up in November. It is. Yes, okay. it's actually the primaries in September. Walshforprobate.com. So yes. Yeah, so why am I running for the register of probate? Because it is the number one court system in the entire Massachusetts that has the most pro se, which means without lawyers, mm-hmm. that visit that courthouse. And for my last 33 years, in, a bit, in addition to being a small practitioner, I have been in that courthouse and I've worked in that courthouse and tried cases in that courthouse. But it's the number one place where people need to first get introduced to the legal system. And I, in doing work as comp and social security work, that's really the first time that most people get involved in the legal system. So I have an idea of you know, what it takes First of all, in demeanor, to come to them and explain to them, right. you know, what's going to happen, what the procedures are, and to give them a little idea and make them feel comfortable. So what better job than the register of probate? Register of probate. This is Norfolk, Norfolk County? All of Norfolk County, Norfolk yes. County. 28 cities and towns. You're currently a selectman for Town of Westwood, is that I right? Am, yes. So you like politics. I do, I do. Actually, uh, back in 2008, I ran for county commissioner, Norfolk County commissioner, mm-hmm. but I ran as an independent and mm-hmm. for those, there might be lots of independent voters, but they really don't vote independent. And when you <laughs> run independent, that really means you're running by yourself. Yeah. There's neither party to help you. So Yeah, it seems like most people who run independent do it for some oddball reason or sort of to make a point. You know, I'm reminded of Ross Perot, of course. Yes, Was he your course. hero? Probably uh, not. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, WalshForProbate.com. That's the website where you go find out more about Michael. And, and if you want to throw in a couple bucks and support his efforts, I, I encourage you to do so. Yes. Is that a, what we would call a thankless job? Because it always strikes me as one. The, the registry of probate is just a um, hard-to-handle animal, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of a hidden job. I mean, most people have no idea what it is until they get to the court system. Right. Then they have uh, issues. And, and uh, you know, the biggest thing about probate courts is always the wait time, how much you wait. And if you have a lawyer, you're paying your lawyer to wait four or five hours to have their cases heard. And, um, you know, I would go in there and, and try to make sure we reduce that and if not eliminate it. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of ideas that I have, and I'll be happy to share them with you. But, you know, 
um, scheduled times for lawyers. You know, if you have two lawyers on a case, there's no reason that they're waiting around all day. They should have a set time. You're on at 10 o'clock. You're on at 1030. They shouldn't need more than a half hour if you have two lawyers to argue their case in front of a judge. And that might even be generous. You know, it could be every 20 minutes. That is music to lawyers' ears, I'm sure, because depending upon what court you're in, you know, I've seen courts, you know, having worked at Lawyers Weekly for 15 years and wandering in and out of courts. I've seen some that run like clockwork and others that are just the biggest mess you can imagine. And and I I remember being in, I want to say it was Lowell District Court. Do they have a new courthouse now up in Lowell? Do you happen to know? Yeah, I think they do. At the time, it was the old one. And it was the the, the morning, you know, the criminal session in the morning. And there are people, there was, decorum had completely left the building. Like there were, there were not only were there people standing in the back of the, of the courtroom, there are people standing in the aisles between the seats because there was no place else to stand. And there's murmuring going on. The judge is is trying to, you know, conduct a motion session and it was, and then, so, and you know, it's important as a lawyer, it's important for, for people to, when they go into your clients and you go into court to know that something important is going on. So give give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, Middlesex probate court for a friend of mine for his divorce. And the wait was 100 people in line in front of me. And we had two lawyers. And rather than spend all day there, we both decided that let's ask the clerk for a new date. Now, that was two months ago. We're still waiting for a new oh, date. Oh, God. Yeah. So my, I would be trying to make sure that that doesn't happen in Norfolk. Well, very good. Uh, is it an open seat? Or? It is an open seat. Okay. The present, reg- present registrar is uh, looking to fill the sheriff's seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it will be an open seat, yes. So, and uh, do you have uh, opponents that are declared and all that? Well, um, there are, if you pay attention to Facebook, um, (laughs) there are a couple of people who have declared. And as I learned in politics 101, you never mention their names. Okay, that's fine. uh, Right now. You're lucky lucky I'm the unprepared podcaster here. I I didn't look it up. I'll look it up after the show. Yes. Walsh for probate. Yes. uh, (laughs) So far there are two, but, you know, yesterday was the first day to pull papers. Okay. So, um, it's unclear at this point in time how many, who, and where they'll be from. Uh, Did you have to get your signatures to get on the ballot? You have to get 1,000 signatures to be on Ooh, the ballot. Oh, that's a lot. Yes, yeah. yes. But yeah. I did it once before. In fact, I did it, in, as I said, I was running independent. Mm-hmm. I did it all myself, and I had about 3,000. They stopped counting at two. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there's something to be said about getting signatures. At least you introduce yourself to people. Yeah, it starts it's, the process. It does. Yeah. And yeah. It, um, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, it's a lot of work. Um, For sure. You can't just run. Just to be on the ballot, you actually have to do some work before you get on the ballot. A thousand does may not seem like, you know, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of people out there. A thousand strikes me as a lot. I think when I ran for, oh, the town moderator. Yeah, I almost forgot. For six years, I was the town moderator of the town of Sharon. I believe I had to get a hundred. That seemed about fair. So, in Westwood, <laughs> I was running unopposed also. So. In Westwood, where I've been a selectman for six years now, going on seven, uh, it's only 50 Okay, yeah, so, so there you go. to give you an idea of my political career, I started, I ran for Norfolk County Commissioner in 2008, needed 1,000 signatures. Then I ran for State Senate in 2010, mm-hmm. when Marion Walsh left her seat. It was an open seat. Mm-hmm. He only needed 300. Then whenever I ran for town politics and only needed 50, I said, I could do this in my sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I learned how to get so many signatures. Yeah, you could go back to the usual suspects. You know, there are certain people that just have to sign for you. you know. That's right, they Mom, want to Dad, sign. Mom, Dad, get over here, you know, people you know around town. Um, very good. So if you, if you couldn't tell by the accent, uh, Michael grew up in the Boston area and as such, he qualifies to be a victim of the Boston vault. We lock people in the Boston vault, Michael, and you're not allowed out until you ask, answer some questions about Boston. Usually there are no right answers though. So armed guards are here for your protection. Okay. Okay, guys, boys. Thanks. 
Remind me, you grew up in what section of Boston? Uh, well, let's see, I was in Mission Hill, but I would say my more of my childhood would be in Dorchester Lower Mills. Dorchester Lower Mills. Can you tell a Dorchester accent from a Southie accent from a, I don't know, a, a ritzy, you know, aristocrat Boston accent? Um, there's not a whole lot of difference, and I can say that because I went to Don Bosco High School. Okay. So Don Bosco was in uh, 300 Tremont Street at the time, and we had kids from everywhere, Dorchester, Southie, Alston, Brighton. Uh, and we all took the train in to get there. So there was a little bit of difference, mm-hmm. um, especially if you were from an ethnic background. You know, always threw that into your accent. So there is <laughs> right. a little bit of difference. For sure, for sure. Growing up in that neighborhood, was there a street sport of choice? In other words, you know, street hockey or wiffle ball or throwing a football around or anything like that. Any memories of that? I would say it was probably street hockey, although, you know, I played baseball as a kid um, right up through high school. So... Uh, there was a Cedar Grove Baseball League. Nice. Uh, yeah, and, I, and one year when I first moved, I think of my parents moved when I was in the fourth grade. I actually played baseball in Mission Hill and Cedar Grove at the same time in the same year. So, What position did you play? I played shortstop. Nice. Yes. Well, that's you must have been good. Everybody knows you, but the best kid at shortstop. Um, so who were your heroes? Who were your sports heroes growing up? She's growing up. I'd have to say probably Bobby Orr would be my favorite You know, mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, I was a big fan of Teddy Bruschi, who's now retired. Um, of course, yeah. Teddy was a hard worker, um, family man, did everything he was supposed to do. You know, um, a, ni- a general nice guy, even if you meet him today, he's one of the nicest guys you've ever met. Yeah. Um, John Hanna, I met John Hanna a couple times growing oh, up. Oh, hog. Yeah, the hog. Anytime I see the number 73 anywhere, I, I can't help but think John Hanna. There was only one 73. Um, he was a... a mountain of a man. I remember seeing him at a charity uh, softball tournament and uh, I think he was playing second base. He didn't move too quickly, but, <laughs> but man, you didn't you didn't get in his way. Brewski's, um, Brewski will, you know, he's in uh, you know Boston's version of Cooperstown, or the, the, the pantheon of Boston heroes, who will not, I mean he won't make the NFL Hall of Fame, I think no. that's, that's clear, but he's great on TV. He, I mean it, why did we love him so much? If you had to, I mean, you said a couple things. Yeah. I, I, well, personally, I think it was uh, his demeanor. He always said the right things. Yep. Um, he was definitely um, a team guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a family man. He's and he's done a lot of things for charity afterwards. You know, he has uh, yep. since he had his stroke, he does have people that run in the Boston Marathon for him. Right. Uh, they run in the Falmouth Road Race for his charity. So uh, he's just an overall nice guy. And uh, if you meet him. He's, he could sit here easily just to have a podcast with you. Yeah, well, let's get him in here. Teddy, if you're listening, come on in. You're welcome anytime here. 54. 54, right? Yes, 54, 54, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, part. I think it started out when he was a rookie. He was, they were saying he was a bit of a stretch for the, the draft. Now, he had, if I, if I recall correctly, he, w- he was great at sacking the quarterback in QB. He had big numbers. But but when the, the NFL scouts looked at him, like, he's undersized, you right. know, for a linebacker. And, of course, Belichick takes the chance on him, knows when to put him in the right situations, and he's he was Mr. Clutch. He made so many clutch plays. Yeah, he, he, again, he's, he's great on TV. Originally, I think people latched on to him because, you know, the the beer-drinking crowd at Foxborough just loved that his name was Brewski. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but he had to play well as well, and so uh, there you go. Um, was there is there a moment that sticks out as a, as a young man, or I guess any time that in attending a Boston sports event that that has been the most memorable for you across any sport? So, uh, a friend of mine who is uh, gonna I'm gonna force him to listen to this podcast. Please do. Nothing else. And uh, we were at. We'll take uh, the extra listener. We're at game. Thank you. We're at Good. game seven, uh, the Toronto comeback. So and. 
We were down by three goals. Okay, wait, well, this was... This was the number one NHL uh, of the century, of the decade. 2000... Are we talking when the, the year 2011 the Bruins... they won, yes. Won, won the, the Stanley Cup. Correct. Okay, sure. And yeah, so go on. They were down by three goals with four minutes left. Mm-hmm. And my buddy left. We're season ticket, no! we're, we're season ticket no! holders together. Oh God! And he said they're not gonna they're not gonna win this. I'm leaving. I said, Where are you going? You're gonna miss the greatest comeback ever. You said he laughed at me and he went out the door. And yeah. so they scored the first goal. I text him one closer. He's like, I love your optimism. Right. Second goal, third goal. Finally, when they tied it up. He calls me. He says, "I have to pull. I had to pull over and go pull the closest bar. <laughs> <laughs> At least he made it to a bar to watch them win it in overtime. Yeah. And so uh, that was probably the greatest moment uh, in sports that I can remember to be there for that game. Yeah, unbelievable. The 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 only thing that compares into. I mean, everybody loves a comeback, and there's something about the anatomy of the comeback that's so much fun. You know, most of us think of the the Patriots against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, twenty eight to three, and but. Having played sports, I, I I don't know if you can remember. They you know there were there are stats that show there's no such thing as momentum or a hot hand or anything like that. If you've ever played sports, you know that it's real. It yes. is real. You know, I remember I remember I have memories of it happening both ways. Where you know you're on a baseball team, there's a rally going, and you just know the next guy's going to get a hit on your team. And then I have memories of playing in hoop games where. You know, we might have been winning by 10 points, but the other team racks up like three buckets in a row. They're jumping up and down. You just know it's crumbling. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's right. almost nothing you can do, right? Yes. Am yes. I right? And so uh, I've had the fortune, uh, believe it or not, when the Red Sox won the first World Series, I was actually at game four. Nice. Uh, where the Red Sox turned it around and then we took four straight. Of course. Yeah. That's I was the, at that that's game the Dave well. Roberts game. That's yeah. Right. I was yeah. at that game. So yeah. uh, I've had a little bit of luck. So I, I am guilty of, of your friends giving up, uh, your friend's habit of uh, giving up. Well, maybe it's not habit, but on that occasion, uh, I gave up on that game. I did not watch it. I didn't want to watch a funeral. So I, I, I just, you know, I figured there's no good thing that could come out of this. Either we're going to squeak out a victory and now we're only down three to one, or uh, we're going to lose and watch the Yankees spray champagne on the Fenway Park lawn. I didn't realize what was going to happen. <laughs> realize that history was being made. But, uh, you know, it's... My favorite memory of that whole run was likely in um, 2000. Well, the run, I'm, I'm talking the Red Sox have now won four championships. We have to remind ourselves that as they sit yes. there with an interim manager and spring trading and whatever <laughs> the hell is going on down there. But in 2013, which was oh, so it's so hard to keep track of them all, right, Mike? Right. But 2013, we had occasion, to, uh, I got at least one seat for each playoff game and brought my son Griffin the the part that is maybe the most um, memorable was it, I went to we went to a World Series game. Then unfortunately the Red Sox lost, but we sat next to uh, Big Poppy Senior, so David Ortiz's dad, and who did not speak much English at all. And so, but Big Poppy comes up in in the first or maybe the third, whatever it was, he hits a home run. He hits a solo home run, and the place is going nuts. And me and my son turn and we get the high five, Mister Ortiz. And so then, of course, this was this 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 is almost the greatest story ever, which which ends with the Red Sox losing that particular game. Of course, they won the series, but and Poppy comes up with I think we're down maybe uh, three to one or something like that. He comes up with two men on base, and it's like the eighth inning or something, and you could just see it. And so I turn to Poppy's dad, and I don't know much Spanish, but I knew enough to say uno mas, uno mas, and, and his dad looks at me, he goes, uno mas, uno mas, and Big Poppy, he didn't fail, he got a base hit, but then the rallies got squelched and we lost, 
would have been the greatest story ever. Yes. But um, but the game I remember is the Shane Victorino game. You'll probably remember in the in the ALCS, we were heavily favored Detroit Tigers team because they had, they had pitching out the wazoo. They had such good pitching. That was the series where Poppy hits the home run and and the, the cop with his arms raised and Torrey Hunter's legs raised yes. out there in center field. But the clinching game, Shane Victorino hit a home run, and my son always refers to it as the hot chocolate game because he was a little guy, and he was, like, you know, bundled up drinking his hot chocolate. We jumped up, and I threw him up in the air, and his feet came down and crushed the hot chocolate. He was just <laughs> laughing. It was, he didn't care. Anyway, so um, I, I babbled too much. But so um, tell me, uh, growing up, one more question from the Boston Vault. Growing up, what was a, a hangout that you remember from your neighborhood, whether it be ice cream place or burger place or anything like that? Anything come to mind? Probably Dot Park. Yeah? Yeah, we usually hung up there most of the time with uh, all the kids in the neighborhood. Kind of was the central location. And what did you do? We had the tennis Just, cl- uh, the either the basketball courts or the tennis courts where we play street hockey instead of tennis. Nice, nice. Were you good at street hockey? Um, well, I played hockey, so you played real it hockey. wasn't too bad, yes. Did How far did you go in, in terms of playing hockey? I played right up to high school. Oh, nice. Um, do at some Don Bosco? Yeah. yeah, pick up games for a while. Yeah, in fact, uh, Billy O'Dwyer was a year ahead of me, so he made it to the Bruins. So Is that right? It was a good team, yes. Uh, Marty McGinnis was two years younger than me at Milton Academy, and he made it to the Bruins. And you could have knocked him over with a feather, like walking by him in the halls. Tiny kid, but obviously lightning quick and everything. And so... Um, nice kid, Marty McGinnis. Yes. So, you know, my buddy who I talked to actually left the Bruins game that time. So he was at the um, New England-Atlanta game. Actually, at the Oh, Super really? At the yes. Super Bowl, yeah. And so he texts me, I'm, I think I'm going to be leaving this game. And, of course, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. I said, don't leave. I told you last time this would be the greatest comeback you've ever seen. Yep. And he laughs back and he gives me the, the high five, you know, on my uh, phone. Only to have it happen. He said, I can't believe you told me and it's going to happen again. And he stayed. And it, yeah, he stayed this oh, time. Stayed That's this a great time. story. That's yes, great. Yes. Well, at least and he took it. You can verify it. If you know Mike Occasion from okay. uh, Natick, he's an attorney as well. Shout he'll out be ver- he'll Mike. be able to verify it. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. But um, lesson learned, Mike. I mean, come on. And um, it, it, it really is. It, it, a nice like emblem of of you know don't give up don't don't ever give up as Jim, Jim Valvano told us you know as as he was a dying man, um, it was it, it almost seemed like as football fans we do this like we when it was twenty eight to three I knew I knew it wasn't impossible to come back but in your head you kind of do the math you're like, we're gonna have to score three we're gonna need um, you know at least two two point conversions like basically from this moment everything is going to have to be perfect and you you know the mind is like you want to let yourself relax and say you know what it's okay if we don't win don't you know don't have a don't stroke out over this game but then when it started it, it only got more nerve-wracking as the game went on it's like i hate those two point conversions it's like if either one of those doesn't doesn't make it then We're not there. no dice right. right and then dante hightower and one of our other defensive players who i'll forget both made those sick plays at the end and it's just like Hightower got there just like a, a split second later and Ryan like gets the ball off or doesn't get sacked or whatever it is and um, that's that, that's my theory as to why we lost to the Eagles that crazy game with the Philly specialist we didn't have a defensive guy to just with Hightower injured anyway that's my Pat's analysis um, do you care about the Red Sox chaos right now no, no. <laughs> even though for the first time I did buy some season tickets you know a whole bunch of guys jumped in on season oh, tickets good. this is my first year with season tickets well, a couple of games for the Red Sox and 
Now I'm wondering, well, you know, it's nice to give away to, yeah, yeah. to clients it's good and for business. business prospects. Yeah. yeah, that was always my rationale. And I bought tickets from a buddy of mine, and they're, they're fantastic tickets. They're like in the seventh row right behind the home plate. And it's always great to um, to take someone to Fenway if they've never been before. But, geez, I mean, it's with every passing year, it feels like it's more of a hassle. You know, if you drive there, forget it. Parking is ridiculous. The, the you know, the food is so expensive and all that. And I, I hasten to say it. I grew up on baseball. My dad was an old Brooklyn Dodgers fan. But it's just, it feels like it gets a little bit more boring every year. Is it well, me? This year, I mean, when they say that they want to get under the payroll tax, it right. should have been the first indicator that this is a, a rebuilding year or something is going on. Right. They don't want to invest the money to win like they have in the past. Yep. And so now we don't have a coach. Uh, we don't. We let Mookie and uh, David Price go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me it's not going to be the year we were all hoping it would be after last year's uh, fiasco. So, I, yeah, it, it it all points that way. But baseball is one of those sports where you, you never know. I mean, how do you explain us going from worst to first and back to worst and back to first like so many times? It's it, I, I think it is such an unpredictable sport, mainly because so much of it is pitching, and pitching is is uh, brittle or fickle or whatever. It's tenuous. You know, one of your two big guys goes down. But you're right. I mean, even though Price was a pain in the ass, he was our best, probably our best starting pitcher. He's gone. Our best overall player's gone. It seems weird, and yet, you know, people say, well, that's the business of baseball, and they had to reset, and, and you know, we can say it's not our money, but they have limits or, or they go out of business. But that's no fun. I don't want to. I'm sure the Red Sox are not going out of business. Well, yeah, (laughs) I I, I think you're right about that. Well, you've successfully navigated the Boston Vault, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Just as a reminder, uh, WalshForProbate.com, www.WalshForProbate.com. Find out about, you're going to tell people about what you believe in, your potential changes. You got all kinds of cool stuff on the site. I do, yes. Let's hope so. Yep, I do. (laughs) Good. So please, please check it out. Um, just a quick reminder as to what we do here at uh, the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, and that, by the way, friends, is the correct use of the word literally. Let's get it straight, people. Clean it up. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. That's right. You can have your own show. In the meantime, listen to all the great stuff we have up there at pod617.com. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. So now one of your side interests, Michael, or one of your uh, side hustles, you correct me if I'm if I'm describing it incorrectly, is you're, you, like me, have um, ventured into the DJ business and remain in the DJ business. I have. I've been uh, in the DJ business since I was 17 and worked at a place called Spinoff and Dance Factory. <laughs> <laughs> were, were those dance clubs? Uh, Spinoff was actually the roller skating rink roller skating where rink? Uh, Jillian's is now. Okay, at Dance sure. Factory, on Saturday night, they turned it into an underage teenage dance club. Okay. Well, wow. Um, uh, and... Does that still exist or no? So Jillian's is there now. And Jillian's, of course. I've been to Jillian's, and you see that there is the wooden floor is still there. They did not take down that wooden floor. Oh, really? They put it in. So it could go back to roller skating at any <laughs> point in time. Uh, but the trend is not there yet. So. But I don't think there are, there are those um, teenage, what did they call them, teenage? It was... Um, 
there were there were dance clubs for for teenagers, right. and so, so you know they didn't serve booze, no. but but that was that was the purpose. It was like, and it, it was done with an eye toward uh, celebrations. Was one of them, if I remember, in Boston. Yeah, the, they had celebrations was usually alcohol, but they had one night that was not. Oh, okay, and that was based on the success of Spinoff. Okay, and Spin-off. Dance Factory. Yes, yeah, so. I don't think they're around anymore, are they? No, I could be wrong. I don't, yeah. I don't know any of them that exist now. Yeah. Now, I guess fake IDs have gotten better or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's too bad because it's just, I mean, but I remember going and I was kind of a shy kid and like we'd go and just kind of stand around. (laughs) But it was, but it was something to do, you know. And they they brought in live acts too. I saw uh, New new Edition. I saw Pamela Stanley. I saw Shannon. Mm -hmm. All live there on a Saturday night. So they did bring in guests from time to time and uh, pack the place as usual. And that's where I got my start spinning records. And And they were records back then. Yeah, and and so were you doing the the private DJ stuff too back then? And- so I started at there, and then I went to uh, Jason's for a little while, which is another okay. uh, deja vu way back when sure. on Clarendon Street. And while I was at Jason's, um, Billy Costa came in one night, and mm. uh, Billy said to me, "Hey, uh, come and work for me. So how much do you make here?" And I was probably making I don't know hundred bucks a night back then. We're talking about you know late eighties, and uh, he said, "Come and work for me. I'll triple your pay, and you'll work." A lot less, and so then I started doing private functions. How cool! I've been doing weddings and um, reunions, anything you can imagine. I pretty much stopped some functions because I'd just rather have time with my family. But mm. I pick and choose what I want to do now, and I, I like what I do. Uh, I'm very good at it. I have to say that. And people who have seen me have never been disappointed. Um, I would tell people I would offer them, you know, a money back guarantee, but you know, someone will take advantage of that. But yeah. um, I love to do it. I love music. In fact. Before I got here today, I was at the senior center and we had an Elvis impersonator singing today, and I was the only person <laughs> dancing for a little while. But uh, and, uh, nothing jazzes up a party like an Elvis impersonator. And I'm not right. being sarcastic. I, I have uh, an uncle, my my dear uncle John, uh, still remains obsessed with Elvis, and he used to hold these Elvis parties where he'd do his Elvis impersonator and just invite friends and family. And at the time, it seemed very normal to me. I was <laughs> I was ten, and he, he's not that much older, so he was probably like you know seventeen, and I'm twelve, or whatever it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, doesn't everybody love Elvis? You should, if you don't. Um, so you're schlepping the, uh, the albums to a lot of these things, right? Yes. Times have changed, huh? Yes, they have. Now I just need my laptop. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. And do you use one of those? Do you have, do you even use a board, uh, a mixing board? And, I do use a mixing yep. board and I do a lot of functions for a, a casino company too. Oh, nice. So they'll bring in a, a fake casino night, but it looks like you're in a, a real casino. Tables look are awesome. And so I play background music. I do the announcements. I give away the prizes at the end. And the prizes are usually based upon how well you gambled or raffle tickets, and I have to pull the raffle tickets. So nice. Yeah, I still do that. I so I did it for a while myself. Me and a, a partner had a very humble business called a Wicked Good DJ, and we did a combination of uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, and then other just kind of odd stuff. Um, I don't know why we stopped, other than it was. It, we were we were getting nudged out, I think, a little bit by the the DJ companies. So particularly for now, I'm in Sharon, so they're like a zillion bar mitzvahs, um, and these companies, and they're good companies. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of what they're called: um, Party Excitement and Northern Lights. I should remember Northern Lights because they sponsor one of our podcasts. Thank you, Northern Lights, and they're they're great, and they bring the dancers and everything. Now, is that your competition, or do you do you not even do the bar mitzvah thing? No, I don't do any bar mitzvahs anymore. Uh, what I, do you have I, against the Jews, Michael? Come I, on. No, no, no. I'm just it's, kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did a couple, and 
um, you know, I, are- I try to do my best, and uh, at sometimes it wasn't fast enough. In other words, I get a request, and I didn't stop the music and put that song on right away. Yeah. And so... I'll be honest with you. The kids can be a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> this is me talking. Also, bar mitzvahs are hard because there's a lot of detail. Now, you've done weddings, I take yeah, it. Yeah, no, I've done bar mitzvahs and weddings and the whole bunch. I've done the whole gamut. The the bar mitzvahs are kind of detail-oriented because if you do the candle ceremony, for example, it's a tradition of many bar mitzvahs, is you do 13 candles, you know, the kid's 13, and each one of them is dedicated to someone, like Aunt Susie and Uncle Bob coming in from Sarasota, and they have a little song you have to play that goes with them for yes. a few seconds. And then you got to get to, then all of a sudden, now it's, you know, Aunt Emily, and she's got her song, and they got to come up and light the candle. And so you've got at least 13 songs you got to have queued up kind of to the right spot. It's a pain, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easier now that we have a, a laptop. That's true. But in the old days, you had uh, those 13 records lined up right next yeah. to you and be able to slap the next one on and yeah. play about 30 seconds, and then, get, then play another 30 seconds. And uh, yes. That's work, man. So why? Are you, tell me why you're good. Uh, as far as DJing, well, yeah, because I can read a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I play the music for them. You know, I don't go there with a predetermined list. I take requests. I see what works for people. I look at their age limit, and then I see play music which I think is going to start to tempt them, and then it usually flows from there. So I'm very good at reading crowds. I mean, I've been doing it 40 years. I'm, I'll be 58 this year, so I'll be 41 this year. But, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you learn to watch people and see what what happens. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, I can tell you. I'll tell you a funny story. I I DJ this function once it was a 40th or 50th birthday party and i sat there and i played everything i could to get them dancing not one person danced right Mm. here i am sweating sweat pouring down me i'm like what can i do to get these people to dance nothing worked at the end of the night the guy came up to me who hired me he said that was the best music we've ever heard in our entire (laughs) life i said yeah but nobody danced and he said to me well i'm sorry didn't i tell you no one in my family dances oh good lord no no (laughs) what's the music great to know earlier that's that's strange yeah that's strange i i've been there because you know you you tend to get paid either way right Right. but it's a great like you know kicking the groin to, to, to show up and set up all your stuff and you're playing stuff that you want to get people enthused and you're getting nothing. I mean, it's a can I'm, I'm sure like people that play in bands have the exact same mission and the exact same yeah, challenge, you know, exactly. because, because a band, you know, my buddy Russell plays in a, in a cover band out in Worcester, shout out the SNG band, check them out. They're on Facebook. They're awesome. Um, and, you know, they're a cover band, so they play fun stuff. Their whole goal is the same thing that you and I had as DJs is like get people up and having a good time. But, I've been to ones where people are jamming and just jamming out and just like, you know, packed dance floor. And then I've been to ones where they are playing their hearts out and people are sitting there. They're sitting there eating their spaghetti or meatballs, whatever they're doing. I had I had one worked one wedding where it was odd. The couple, they were very sweet, but they just they were a little bit kind of they were kind of hippie-ish, I guess. They marched to their own beat. And so they weren't into for some reason they didn't love commercially successful music. They loved off the beaten path music. And so they gave, and it's like, well, we, can we just give you a whole playlist? And not only that, can we give you the discs? Can we give you the CDs? And we're like, well, you know, you're hiring us. I mean, you want us to, I guess it makes this easy for us. We just play the songs. They're like, yep, that's what we want you to do. We're like, great. We start playing these songs. We've never heard of any of these songs. And it's, it was strange. It was like, well, this sounds a little like Madonna. And my, my buddy who I'm working with is like, no, that's not Madonna. It's Madidi or <laughs> everything yeah. was a little bit off. And so finally, the, the, at one point, the bride comes up to us and says, nobody's dancing. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, can we uh, try something else? And she said, yeah. So 
I played. Now, I want you to think about what song you would play. I'll tell you what I played. In fact, I'll cue it up here. It was, you know, it's a matter of what can you get that is going to get um, everybody up. And it's sort of universally known. So you don't want to play something necessarily that is modern. You want to play, some, you also don't want to play something that's an oldie, but you want to play something that's immediately sort of recognizable. And, uh, well, this is what I played. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if... Now that I think about it, just start kind of slow. But. The force has got a lot of power in it. This is before it the whole Michael like Jackson thing, so I didn't have that issue, but... You make me feel like... And then all of a sudden... <laughs> and people start getting up, and people are getting up from table number seven, and table number three, and table number... Yeah, let's... Give it up and really party out for Sally and Jack's wedding. Come on! And there you go. So what would you play? Um, probably start with something like old-time rock and roll. That's good. Yeah, just That's uh, good. because, you know, it gets, it gets the older people. Uh, and so, when you know, when I do a function, I usually try to figure that, uh, like exactly at a wedding, you figure that, okay, the older people will dance early, and then the younger people will be dominating by the end of the right. night. So you try to cater to the older people in the beginning. And then work your way into more current stuff. Just take those old records off. Oh, you just picture Tom Cruise right now, don't you? <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. That's one of those, uh, you know, in fact, it was when the Academy Awards did yeah. their salute to music. It was it, the first one. It, that's right. That's right. Because we can't. Can't be all wrong. It, that's right. And and uh, with, with Cruise, actually, I, I heard a good trivia question recently, and it's it kind of stumped me. It, is Tom Cruise wearing sunglasses in that scene when he's dancing to uh, in his underwear to yes, old time rock and roll? I believe he is. He's not. No? He's not. No, I could show he's you. I'll show you later. Right? Yeah, it's 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 feels like a trick question. Yeah, he, you're right. He comes in with his back, and right. then I watched the clip recently just because I couldn't believe that he wasn't wearing the sunglasses. He's wearing it in other memorable parts of the movie. Anyway, okay. we di- we digress. There we go. But um, so to get back to this this torturous story. Um, no one's dancing. We play the Michael Jackson song. Everybody starts dancing, right? And she and she comes up to me and goes, this is great. This is great. And I said, yeah. And so I, I said to my buddy, give me a napkin. And so I wrote down like Brick House, um, something from Earth, Wind, uh, September, September yeah. Earth, Wind, Fire, and then probably, um, I don't know. Like maybe another Michael, another Michael Jackson song, or ABC by the Jackson Five, or something like that. Abba and Dancing Queen. Abba Dancing Queen. Yeah, that, see, that would be a great one, also. So I, I take the napkin and I said, you know, whatever her name was, Ms. Ms. Bride, why don't, why don't we play these, these next? Because I know she's very particular. She says, no, 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 no. Now that everybody's dancing, go back to our list. And I was so deflated, and I turned to my buddy and I was like, hmm. So they played some. We played some random song. Everybody sat down. <laughs> And then at one point, someone, some guy comes up to us and says, can you play something by like Bon Jovi or, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire or something kind of that really kicks ass? And so I looked at him and I, I kind of shook my head and he looked at me and he said, Bride's Playlist. And I was like, mm-hmm. And so he goes, say no more. I figured. So, <laughs> so let me teach you how I dealt with that in the years. Anytime yeah. that happens, I several times during the evening, I'll say, I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that Bride and Groove have especially chosen this music because of their special day. <laughs> yeah, so wash your hands I'm, of I'm it. I'm putting it right back on them because, you know, I want you to know I'm a better DJ than this is not my list. Right, because unfortunately it is, it is, um, it, it's not a stretch to say it's an art form. It is when you, yeah. you read the people, and, and if people are looking at you going, well, geez, I'm never going to hire this guy. I haven't heard of any of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you want your business to continue, not to end on, on their uh, playlist. Yeah. When you become the paid jukebox, it really is what right. you become. And I'm like, that's no fun. That's right. And especially in these days where, you know, people, a lot of people will 
not hire a DJ in favor if they can get away with an plug, iPod. Yeah, yeah, plugging in their, 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 their now their iPhone. Spotify, yeah. And yeah. It, exactly. definitely done some damage to the DJ business. It has, right? It so has. to that you say what? I say there's nothing like a live person who can take your request and read the crowd and be able to... Um, you know, get people up and excited about dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, uh, very few people can really do the list like we can because we've seen what works and what doesn't work. Right. And even though it's your, your favorite song or the bride's favorite song, might not work. Right. You know, and uh, even on those songs, you can figure a time to work them in. So it, right. at the right time, it can you can sneak it in and make them feel happy and uh, make sure that you're having repeat business for the next crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, are there songs that you will save until the end of the night knowing that when the young people are up there dancing you want to make sure you've because you won't repeat songs right no i don't yep. very yep. rarely and once in a while i'll get a bride who says can you play it again right and I, you know for the bride or groom yeah, absolutely are who's ever hosting the party absolutely but right. i try not to repeat songs ever once a night is enough i'm not a local radio station that's playing it every you know uh, hour or so on the hour so yeah of course but is, is there uh well forced to choose would you what, what's your last song hmm. or is it last dance by donna summer it can be yeah depending because <laughs> I, I told you i worked at jason's and uh right and uh, that was the big song back then i tell people i've been playing music so long that i saw Don summer do it live uh when is it first right? came out yes yeah god so, rest her soul yes people forget she's from dorchester dorchester there yes, you go she was. She's, she's, um, hometown i tried to create a the ultimate playlist which if i can put it up on our screen here i know this is really good podcasting everyone can see it right now of course um this was when i was a dj i i and i at the i tried to keep in my head what the last five songs would be now you gotta remember this was around 2008 2009 which some of those still work so there's nothing right. wrong with that yep yeah so i'm looking at um these yes. aren't in any order, I think, but club number two is good. I used that probably in the last half hour. The the T Pain song. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that'll get people up. Oh, absolutely. There's something about the way it starts, also that people you see people pop up and go, "Yeah, this is a good one." For a while, this was the one that I saved till the very end because it really made fee- people freak out. Yeah, not so much. No, well, you don't like I would, that. Yeah, you don't I mean, like the piece. I mean, it works, but I would I wouldn't hold it for the you last half hour. You wouldn't hold it for the, for the no. end. I would hold. Uh, Maybe it's a bar mitzvah thing. I would hold Little John and Ludacris till the end. That might even be the last song. It should be in the pantheon of hip hop songs if it's not. Oh yeah, and it just it, it does make people people freak out a little bit. Yeah, and that works no matter what the age of the crowd. You're right. You now, can, see, you can be doing an eighth grade dance in this song works. You can be doing a 60th birthday party in this song works. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, which is which is rare, because yes. because it's it's rare that you find. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but the the music of the last ten years has taken a dramatic turn, and, and in my opinion, not for the best. But it for as far as DJing goes and yes. dance songs, there's not a lot, right? No, no. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, what's going to be the big song? There isn't really anything that jumps out right now. Yeah, I mean. Billie Eilish just won, but I don't think you're going to be dancing to her music. No, and there's not there's nothing wrong with Billie Eilish, but you're right. What what are we dancing to? We're not and we're not dancing to Drake. Drake's songs are so slow. There might be a, a remix here or there, or whatever. I do a podcast with a friend. I'll do a, a brief plug. Pardon me, everyone. Called Past Tens, and you can find it on Pod617.com wherever you find your podcast. But we go back and we look at the top ten songs uh, on a given date in past history. But for a change of pace, we recently counted down the top 10 songs of the 2010, so the decade that just 
at that, that just ended this past year, obviously. And the number one song was um, Uptown Funk. Yeah. Now you'll play that. Right. Right. But I want to say that's from like 2011 or pretty early yeah, in the decade. And that feels like the last great dance song. Like I can't like they were putting up songs like that. Blurred Lines was there. Maybe a little uh, Justin Timberlake. You know, oh yeah, J- JT's yeah, always JT. good, but he, I feel like he hasn't done a big song in in the last few years. Maybe the one from Trolls. That, that's that's probably, true. That's probably his big. So hit. there's the outlier right yeah, there. He right. played that at the Super Bowl. The yeah. uh, dance, uh, mm-hmm, dance, dance, dance. Yeah, that's probably on my. I'll throw you out some on my list, and you say yeah or nay. I know you'll be honest with me. For a throwback to the '80s, do you, would, would you play an Adam Ant song? No. No. Nope. How can you ignore those amazing twin drums playing? I would go with Katrina and the Waves. Okay. Walking on Sunshine. All right. Well, that's not on this list, so I don't have it handy to play. But, okay. Uh, but Katrina and the Waves, you can't go wrong with that. Also, it reminds me of about seven different movies from the 80s. I would definitely play Pitbull in the last half hour. It depends on either that one that you have or Fireball. Fireball is really good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or... For a while, Pitbull could do no wrong. Right. And, you know, say what you want about him. He's kind of a little bit of a creepy looking guy, but he just put out dance song after dance song. He seems to be done, you know. There's a Donna Summer. Are you are you a fan of uh, the hot stuff or a different no. Donna Summer song? No, I'd probably do Bad Girls. All right. Jeez. Girls, you say tomato, like, I say tomato. Girls like Bad Girls. Yeah, that might be on my list too. Now, I have a theory about Don't Stop Believing. I take it you'll play Don't Stop Believing. Yes. Okay. I could make an argument that this is the greatest song of all time. And the reason why I say this is, you talk about intergenerational thing. I worked my cousin's, I want to say it was her Sweet 16 party. My cousin Jenny is much younger than me. Well, not that, that much younger. So this is going back, uh, she's probably 26. Going back probably about 10 years. Anyway, point of the story is they love this song. So that generation that is now in their 20s, they they loved it. They loved singing along to it, the whole deal. Now, I don't know exactly why, maybe because their parents liked it or whatever. At the time, my son was about seven years old. He loved it. So he's he, I don't remember why he came, became uh, into the song. And I know that my mom loves this song. My mom's older. Sorry, I won't say your age, mom, but she's older. <laughs> and of course, my generation, like, well, I grew up with that this generation right. of Journey. And, I, and it, I, it's hard to find a song that, and of course, you know, it was immortalized in uh, the last episode of The Sopranos. Right. It's, it's an upbeat song. People like singing along to it. Pro or con, don't stop believing. The answer is pro. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Thank yes, you. <laughs> I have, I have uh, some functions I can't play it at for particular reasons, but... Is that right? Yes, yes. It's a long story, and I'll share it with you off the air. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. See, I thought I picked the least controversial song ever. All right. Yeah, I consider it to be one of the least, but I'll tell you the story off the air. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can't wait. And if people want to hire you as a DJ, you're still you're still in the business? I am. How, I, do, how do we I, find you there? I'll give you an idea. So, sure. Um, as I said, I've been in this so long. So when the internet first came out, <laughs> right. um, I, Thank decided you, that, I decided that I would, um, I would buy M. Walsh. Dot com. Very it's good. worth about 2500 now to sell it on a bid. I imagine. Mwalsh.com. Had, has the mayor contacted you? Uh, no, it, he has not. But <laughs> he could use it. He, can, he actually lives so on my parents' street. Com. That's, that's fi- <laughs> oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. you would tell me before we started recording. That, that's, uh, so that's fantastic. ML, Mwalsh.com is your, is your DJ. Yeah, um, my lawyer biz. business is mfwalsh.com. <laughs> wow, okay. So, I mean, you back then, I said, yep. why not? I mean, yep. it's the worst. I think it was 100 bucks for... 10 years, I said, what's That's the worst right. that happens? I'll waste 100 bucks on my DJ business, which, you know, you buy a new speaker or a microphone back yeah. then. So exactly. I said, let's try it. And I've owned them ever since. So, 
Well, how do you think I got the bostonpodcast.com? There, there you go. go. Just when notice nobody else had it. That's what the right. hell? Yeah. And here we are, you know, 72,000 downloads later and you people apparently some of you people still listening. I don't know. Um Anyway, we're up against the clock a little bit here, but don't forget that um, Michael Walsh is running for register of probate in the fine county of Norfolk, and walshforprobate.com is where you go to find more information. Also, mwalsh.com if you need a DJ, and if you just need a lawyer, by the way, that's his day job. Tell me that one again. MFWalsh. MFWalsh.com. Did you have a good time? I had a great time, Dave. Fantastic. You're welcome back anytime. He's a good guy. Vote for him. Voters of Norfolk County. Wait, I get to vote for you, I guess, right? Yes, oh, of you course do. I do. There's, yes, only, you well, do. there's only one day. You got my vote. There you go. Thanks, I'm putting thanks. it out there, my friends, in November. And also, the primary is in September. September 1st. All right. I'm registered. You're on the Democratic side? Uh, of course. Well, good man. I'm a registered Democrat. I will vote for you. See, you just got two votes, sort of. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Pod617.com is where you go for more information if you want your own podcast. Thanks to our friends at Adori. That's A-D-O-R-I. Go to the App Store and download the Adori Podcast Player. Your podcast will come to life. Wicked cool bells and whistles. Check it out, kids. On behalf of attorney and DJ and candidate for probate, the register of probate, Michael Walsh. My name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. You must be the other guy.